give God some praise? want to be where he is for your glory Lord that's why we stand that's why we come into his presence so while we're standing let's just go before the Lord in prayer thinking about all that we can do for his glory Father in the name of Jesus we thank you we magnify your name hallelujah we, we thank you Lord that you, you considered us thought about us long before we knew we needed you you considered us and we thank you right now this morning Lord even this moment we need you more than sometimes we realize but you're yet there you're still there you're yet beckoning and calling us unto yourself Lord, Lord it's hard to imagine hard to fathom the depth of your love your grace that you yet lead out to us each and every day, and we thank you for it right now. Help us, Lord, to lay hold of your ways and your promises, your principles. Help us to be able to live a life, Lord, that glorifies you in all that we do. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, that we're able to be here this morning. Father, we take time even to pray for those amongst us that are sick, but yet pressing their way. We pray for those that are homesick, Lord, and just overcome, Lord, with, with the infirmities that come upon this body. Lord, we pray their strength, Lord. We pray their encouragement. We pray for their healing in the name of Jesus. Lord, and we just invite you to have your way. Even as we, we look into your word and your ways this morning, God, we thank you for your presence and the worship. We thank you, Lord, for the dance. Lord, demonstrating, God, your grace and your, your love toward us. Lord, we thank you for each and every one that's here. To our left and to our right, before and behind us, Lord. The congregation of the saints, Lord, coming to lift up your name. But our focus wants to truly be upon you this morning. So we magnify you right now. We say, speak to our hearts. Speak to us right where we are, Lord. You know each of us. You know our upsettings and our downfallings, God. And Lord, you're still there. Hallelujah. We, we just, it's hard to find the words to say thank you. To truly appreciate all that you are and what you're doing for us. Draw us nearer to you. Yes, Lord. Draw us nearer to you. Closer, closer, closer by your spirit. Closer to your bosom, Lord. That our lives, Lord, would only reflect you. We thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. We can be seated. Amen. This morning we're going to keep our children in with us. The nursery will be available. But just felt led to have everybody in as we prepare direction for this morning. And not just this morning, but moving into this new year, 2013. Almost said 13. Catch myself. A lot has been taking place over these last couple of months, or actually the last few months. It's been very, very busy. But that's a good thing. 
amen, yet serving him. But I thank God, amen, for allowing us to be here. You know, as I was just thinking and meditating on different things that are taking place, even as Pastor Linda was exhorting, you know, I was preparing this morning and the news was on and I began to listen at the different reports. And even as she said about this flu, you know, it's, it's a blessing to be in the kingdom. Amen. So this is not something to play with, amen. They were talking about a family who lost their five-year-old boy Christmas morning to this flu. It's, it's, it's tragic, you know, but yet we have a God that is able to carry us through, amen. We know that there's been some loss amongst us and friends that have lost loved ones, amen, in this past month. You know, we want to continue to pray for them. We want to continue to pray for our sister Ava, who's away for her sister's funeral and you know, even in the preparation of that, she found out about another death in the family. There's a lot of things going on. A friend of mine, amen, lost his father. And then on two days before Christmas, lost a cousin, you know, as well. And then he tells me that his mother just had a stroke and she's in the hospital. A lot of things going on. We got a lot to be thankful for. Sometimes we look around and we begin to, to, to complain about this and that. Remember what we said on Wednesday? It could be worse. Amen. So we thank God for where we are now, amen, and his grace to bring us through, his grace to, to build us and to strengthen us and to keep us. Hallelujah. You know, as we were singing the song, For Your Glory, knowing that we've chosen that phrase as our theme for this year as we move into 2014, theme is for your glory, focusing on him, focusing on who Jesus is and, and how that we want to do anything. I love that song and the words of that song. It said, but he said, for your glory, I will do anything. That's a challenge to us a lot of times in our, our circumstances and our situations. It's, it's a challenge to us because there's sometimes there's things that we just don't want to do, but we have to yet choose to do them for the glory of God. And on this morning, we typically, you know, come and focus on just the theme. But this morning, I'm going to do a little bit something a little bit different, which is preparing us to move into that. And, and I want us to think about one of the things that could be argu arguably the best or the greatest thing, I should say, that the Lord did for us. Because before we can really come to a place to give our lives to him fully and completely, we need to recognize all that he's done for us. You know, when someone really does something for you, you want to repay them. When they really do something for you, you want to bless them. You want to, you want to respond in a way that says thank you. You want to show that appreciation. And as we choose to do that, when we look at our Lord, I know that he's done things in our lives. He's blessed us. He saved us. He draw, drew us unto himself. But I want to think about this morning one of the first and one of the greatest things that he's done in order for us to really live a life, to glorify him. We need to really come to a place, I believe, to recognize how much the Lord honored us 
before we even deserve it. In fact, we can't even earn it, even now. But he honored us before we even came into the world. In such a, 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 a powerful way, amen, and, and I want us to stop and just take some time and, and to begin to look at that, amen, because, you know, the sacrifice that Jesus made and the sacrament that we take when we come together for communion, you know, I was, I was looking this morning at the announcement that was talking about the women coming together for their study and sweet communion, <laughs> I was like, look at God. You know, he begins to lay things out. But, you know, as we perform the sacrament of communion in remembrance of him, do we really understand what it is that we're doing? Do we really grasp the gravity of, of what that symbolizes or represents, you know, when we partake of the, the, the sacrament? You know, this is something that is, we, we call it the holy communion, amen, and we perform it in remembrance of the crucifixion, but we're just going to take a little time this morning, that's another reason why having the children in here as well, so they, as, as they hear it, amen, ain't going to be no shouting message, but I'm going to do some teaching, we're going to get some, some understanding, amen, and, and uh, I, I, my, it's my prayer that many of us will have a greater understanding of communion, amen, than we've ever had before, as, as we, we go through the material that the Lord has really just put in my spirit, amen, and, and through my studies and preparation, that we'll know it, it's more than just juice and bread. It's not just a snack on certain Sundays. You know, there's more than just doing it traditionally, amen, and you know, and for some, it could be wine, depending on your tradition or denomination or persuasion, as some might say. But it's, it's more than that. Amen. And, and this, this thing, this, this, this communion, amen, which is called, you know, mass for some, the Lord's Supper, the Eucharist, amen. And it's symbolic of the bread and the wine that, that is received, amen, that is sanctified and is consecrated by the priest, amen, or the, the pastor, or, you know, as, as it's prepared to be given to the, the saints. But what does it really mean? What happens, what takes place when we, we take communion? Go with me over to 1 Corinthians. Hallelujah. The 11th chapter. Of course, we always read as we prepare one of the areas, amen, preparing to take communion. <laughs> Ooh, God is good. 1 Corinthians 11, and I just want to begin reading at verse number 23, if you will. You there? Amen. Let's give everybody a little time. We ain't in no hurry this morning, right? He said, for I have received of the Lord. See, first of all, the Lord had to come. I mean, not the Lord, but as, as Paul was, was bringing correction to the people. Amen. Because, you know, they were, they were misusing and abusing the, what they called communion. They would come together and they would just feast and they would eat. Some would get full and some would go away hungry. 
you know, so he had to bring some correction to the Corinthian church, you know, which y'all call it communion, ain't communion. You know, he said, this ain't what it is. So he had to bring some, some, some correction and some understanding so they know how, amen, and get some understanding and purpose behind it. But he, you know, so he's letting them know here what the Lord said. He said, for I have received of the Lord that which also I deliver unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had taken it, take, given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, this, is, this verse is key in understanding all what we just read. He said, for if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. Wow. There's a lot in that passage. And time won't even allow me to really dig it all out. Amen. But there's a lot in there that we will go back and review. So as we come together, you know, and we will be receiving communion today. Amen. But before we do it, we're scheduled actually at the beginning of the service, but before we do that, I want to, you know, I, I reschedule, reorder a few things right quick, because we're going to take it with understanding. Amen? You know, so again, prepare your heart. And it's, it's, it's not no long journey to get there, but it's, it's an important journey. You know, so we're going to take a close examination. And in order to better understand what it was Jesus was instructing them when he sat down with his disciples, you know, was he telling them that, you know, to eat my flesh, eat, drink my literal blood? Is this what he was telling them? You know, so these are, these are questions. These are things that the church at large, amen, struggle with some of these things between denominations and you know, and, and we're going to take a look at this. Two, two major terms that, that we find that are used amen, in this area that I will be explaining to you a little in here in a, in a couple minutes. But, you know, in order to get a grasp, we need to get the words that Jesus is speaking in the right context. To really understand what was happening and, and what takes place, even when we do it today, we have to look at the right context and understand exactly the purpose behind what he was instituting for the church. Amen. Notice in the passage he said, as often as you do this. He didn't say how often, but he said as often. 
Now, if you want to do it every day, knock yourself out. But we don't want to diminish the importance of what we do. And even when it comes down to every day, I'm going to deal with that here in the message as well. But he says, as often as you do it, do it in remembrance of me. Wow. I'm trying not to get ahead of myself, but this is real deep. So as we dig, amen, let's, let's start, amen, and just with the word communion itself. Communion. You know, we notice, like I said, women are used, they're coming together for sweet communion. Amen? But communion, amen, when we look at it in the two different nouns that we can use it in, amen, the first one is as a Christian sacrament that commemorates Christ, Jesus Christ's Last Supper, amen, with the priest, amen, with the disciples, amen, which is consecrated. And the second one, amen, is being in communion. Not taking communion, but to be in communion with someone. Whereas intimacy, amen, to be, have intimate feelings of emotion or spiritual closeness or fellowship or in good rapport with somebody. That, all those words are synonymous with being in communion with somebody. You know, and, and I begin to look at that. It talks about being connected in a relationship, especially one in which something is communicated or shared, a common faith or a common discipline. That's, that's being, as Christians, we should be in communion one with another. And our faith and our belief and our, you know, walk with God, we should, there should be some, some common ground that we're able to stand on. Back in the 70s, they had what they called what? Commune. How many of y'all remember the commune? Some of y'all might young to think about, you know, back in the early 70s, you know, when the hippies all got together, and they, you know, y'all look at me like y'all know what I'm talking about. Then y'all, I mean, I lived through part of it. I didn't go to no commune, but, you know, I think they might have mentioned it in history class. Amen. But they were, they were, they were pulled away from the society, amen, and they were pulled away from the establishments, amen, and they would put together their communes, and they would live according to their own rules, and See, they were in communion with one another. They were communicating. This is what I think about the government. This is what I think about the establishment. So we became anti-establishment people. So that's one. We can take it to that level. But as Christians, as the body of Christ, there should be some communion amongst ourselves. Amen. There should be some communion in your house. Hello. With your spouse or with your children or your parents, there should be some communion taking place. And we all know when that's not there, none of us like discord. But we know that it's easy to have discord all around us, amen, if if we're not operating in that place, amen. So, and, And I want us to think about this. Jesus walking in the earth as a man, fulfilling everything that his father told him to do, he had to pray. He had to spend time. How many times did Jesus go apart to pray? Who was he praying to? To the Father. Amen. He he said, I came to do the will of him that sent me and not mine own will. Amen. So in other words, he was showing us how he was constantly and consistently in communion with the Father. In order to operate like the Father wanted him to, he had to pray. He had to stay in connection. He had to, you know, constantly communicate 
hope y'all be getting to get this. Which is fine. You know, most of the time when we have problems in our life, in our marriage, in our jobs, in our business, or whatever the case might be, a lot of times it comes down to failure to what? Communicate. We ain't talking the same thing. We're not communicating. We're not getting the message across that needs to be brought across. We're still talking about Holy Communion this morning. When we take communion, amen, we'll have a deeper understanding as we move into it. So we begin to look at these, these, these examples, amen, and, and, and what Jesus did at all times, amen, being in perfect obedience to the Father. How many of us can say that we're in perfect obedience to the Father? Don't, 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 don't throw yourself under the bus. But see, the only way we're going to get there is to work on our communion. Amen, to get this understanding in a deeper way. Now, there are two terms, amen, that's used mainly by the Catholic Church and, and many Lutherans, amen, in, in, a, in an attempt to describe what takes place with the elements during a communion service, amen, and transubstantiation and consubstantiation. How many of you have heard those terms before? Now, when you begin to, to study and, and look into this thing, and what's the difference between the two? What's transubstantiation and consubstantiation? You know, and it's been a battle and there's been, you know, a position taken by, first of all, transubstantiation is derived from the Latin trance and substantia, which means substance. In other words, the, the Catholic Church teaches and believes, and believe, I'm not here to bash the Catholic Church, but I want us to have some understanding. Amen? But... This is a position that the Catholic Church takes and affirms over and over again that this is what takes place during communion. And all, along that line, the Catholic Church also believes that unless you're a priest of the Catholic Church, any communion you take is illegitimate because it has to be administered by an ordained, ordained priest. But that would mean the man would have to be holy and not the sacrament or the purpose behind it. <laughs> so we, we leave it resting on the ability of man and not of God. So we, we have to be very careful when we start thinking in such terms. But transubstantiation means that when you take the bread and you take the wine, it literally transforms to become the flesh and the blood of Jesus Christ during the, the communion service. Although it still appears and tastes and looks like bread and wine, they believe that it actually is the blood and the body of Christ. They don't say it symbolizes that. They say it becomes that. Now, there is no supporting scriptures that can help that, that position. But this is what, when you ever hear the term, that's what they're saying. Trans it transforms from what it is to what Jesus said, eat my blood, I mean, eat my flesh, and drink my blood. And consubstantiation, and this is a term that came from Martin Luther, amen, and uh, with the Lutherans, and, and many of them believe that some of the Lutherans today reject it because it's too ambiguous. But they believe that not it doesn't transform, but it becomes one. In other words, as you take the communion and consubstantiation, it becomes the it is the bread and flesh simultaneously. 
and it is the blood and wine simultaneously. And Luther attempted to describe it like this. He's like, he's saying it's taking iron and putting it in the fire. And when the iron becomes red, neither one of them change. They're both still there. The fire is still there and the iron is still there, but they're existing as one. But obviously Luther is not a metallurgist. Because when you put heat to iron, it changes the properties. And the more you do it, the more it changes. And the fire, which would be the red glow, is no longer has a flame. So there's some change that takes place even in those two. It's a hot piece of iron. And I would pick up a cold piece of iron. How many of us want to pick up a glowing hot red piece of iron? Well, something changed about it. So it can't be the same and yet not unchanged even in that context. So, again, it's trying to say the literal presence of the flesh and the literal presence of the blood is there when we take communion. That's not what Jesus is teaching us. And we're going to see that as we look further in the scripture. But see, those terms, amen, are man's attempt to make something of what Jesus said more than what it was. Because God is not complex. I mean, he's not complicated to the degree where we can't wrap our minds around what he's doing. You know, he, he said, you know, he, he wants us to be able to grasp his principles and grasp his ways that we might be able to walk it out and explain it in a way that makes perfect sense. And when we begin to look at scripture, we have to look at scripture, you know, from a, a, a literal sense, except where it does not make sense at all. It cannot make sense at all. See, there, there are certain benchmarks that you have to be able to reach in order to interpret scripture properly. And, and here... These two examples don't cut the money. But they both fail the critical, literal examination of Scripture. And it leads us to one thing, amen. It's either going to lead to confusion or a distraction from what the real purpose is. Because while we're trying to figure out how this bread is changing, we're missing points. <laughs> Y'all hear me? While we're trying to figure out how come it's going to taste like blood. And most of us know what blood tastes like. Because, you know, you touch your finger, first thing you do, you know. Huh? But so so we know, well, why it don't taste like blood? Why it don't taste like flesh? Now, I never ate no human flesh before. So, you know, I wasn't with the Donner Party. So we need to understand, what was it that Jesus was trying to get across to us? And what is it when we partake of communion, as often as we take of communion, or as little as we might take of communion, what is it that's really taking place? Amen. So... As we, we do this, amen, we can't say the real presence of the flesh and blood is there. We can't say that these components are literally changing in a sense because then we, we would miss, be misunderstanding exactly what he's trying to get us to see. So go with me, if you will, to Mark, I mean Matthew, I'm sorry. Mm. Was Jesus speaking literally or figuratively? Was he making a metaphor? Uh, which one was it? Okay, we're going to look at some scriptures that's going to help us, amen, find some hermeneutic principles here to get to the understanding of exactly what he was saying. In, in Matthew, the 26th chapter, 
have verse 26. Amen. What was he saying? And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and break it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body. What did he say? This is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them and said, Drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sin. Now, no, he's talking what? In the present tense. But he's sitting right there. Still got his blood in his body. Still possessing his body, and ain't no one cut him. So, so what's he doing? He's giving them a, 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 an illustration, a symbology, a representation of one thing, amen, a metaphor, while yet he's still yet sitting in their presence. You know, so when he said, this is my body, he's, he's taking them on a journey, and they didn't get stuck there. But we can overthink it, and we can get stuck and, and begin to understand. But look at verse number 29. He said, but I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of, the, of this fruit of the vine. Now, wait a minute. Why did he say the fruit of the vine if he was saying, this is my body? I mean, this is my blood. Because he's really identifying what's really in the cup. But he's starting to know what's in the cup represents my blood. But I won't drink of this representation again until, well, look what he says, until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. So quite obviously he wasn't speaking literally about taking the, the, his blood and literally taking of his, his flesh. Amen, but he's trying to get them to see a point here. Jesus was identifying clearly in verse 29 is the fruit of the vine, which is what? Grape juice. Or it might have been fermented. I don't know. I wasn't there. But I know he said the fruit of the vine, and we know when he's talking about the fruit of the vine, he's talking about the grape. Amen. Now, it might have been Welch's grape juice, although Welch hadn't invented it yet. Well, he hadn't put his name on it yet because he didn't really invent grape juice. You know, or, but he's letting them know in, that this is what's in the cup. It wasn't his blood even then. It wasn't his blood now. So he's giving them, as we say, a metaphor. And, and, and the, the English language is filled with illustrations, filled with metaphors. Amen. Even when you begin to go through Scripture, at, at one point, G, I mean, Judah was described as the lion, the, the, Judah is the lion's wealth. Now, obviously, it wasn't Judah talking about the people of Judah weren't the wealth of a lion. But he identified them, amen, for a certain reason, saying, amen, they had lion-like traits. Amen. And even when he called Herod a fox at one time, he wasn't saying that he had four legs in Luke 13. But he said his character, things he was doing, you know, identified him with the cunningness and of a fox he was doing he talks about us he said i'm the lion and you i mean i'm the vine and you're what the branches i don't look like no branch you don't look like no branch to me and so so jesus again was was using metaphors he was using things he was using illustrations he, he used a lot of those 
throughout scripture, and I could just continue on and on. Amen. So why would we hang get hung up when he says when he talks about the bread and the wine being his flesh and his blood? Why would we get hung up in that place, amen, but yet we understood what he said in every other place. We understood that he was making a symbology, a, a metaphor, an example. So sometimes we want to just make things over-religious. Even as I was reading earlier, you know, I believe probably when we got down to where he said, you know, some, you know, are sickly among you and some are dead. And, you know, we, we talked about that place in that position in, in Corinthians 11 chapter in that passage there when he's talking about examining yourselves amen you know we, we don't want to you know we get fearful sometimes when it comes to taking the Lord's Supper Hello. And, 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 and you know we, we, can, we can use those passages to create fear but I often say it don't take long to repent it don't, it don't take long to check yourself and say Lord forgive me you know, because that's all he's asking us to do is examine yourself. None of us, amen, can come before him and say, Lord, I'm perfect. I've kept all hundred, 633s of the law, you know. I, I, I can't come before you and, and say that, but I can come and say, Father, forgive me. When I examine myself, amen, of an earnest heart, amen, I can be received. See, if we, if we say that, you know, these things are that rigid, then we dismiss all of God's grace. You know, we, we, we dismiss the fact that he says now that, you know, we've come to him, we're no longer under the law, but we're under grace and proof. So what he's really letting us know is, is the reason he's even wrote those things in the passage, as, as I said earlier, is because they were abusing and misusing the communion. And we don't come to abuse or misuse. We come to have a heart that's set right before God. We come, amen, to get understanding. We come to do it in remembrance of him. So when we come, and that's why I said it's important when I read those last couple passages there in the 11th chapter of 1 Corinthians, is it's important when we examine ourselves. Lord, check my heart. Check how I feel. Check what's going on in me. And I can partake, I can remember, but here is the interesting thing. Why are we remembering? It's a reminder, it's a memorial, it's a reminder for us that we need to really strive to be in communion with him. It's a reaffirmation of what he's done for us, and, and it's a, a recommitment of what I'm willing to do in kind or in return unto him. It's say, Lord, I, I really want to be in communion with you. I want to walk in the way that you want me to walk. I want to be the person you've called me to be. Oftentimes people, you know, if they're trying to say the real presence is there, they'll go to John 6, 53 and 54. Turn there with me real quick. This is the proof text. See, I told you, see. 53rd verse says, this, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Take a deep breath. Whoso eateth 
my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Let's see, when we, when we look at this, this passage grammatically and contextually, amen, we find a couple of problems. If we're trying to say it's speaking of the literal sense. Amen? We begin to see, amen, because when we look at verse 54, he said the term eateth and drinketh are both in the present tense, signifying that his disciples were to be eating his flesh and drinking his blood at the very time and con- doing it continually in the process, eat it and drink it continually. So as we established before, when he's saying these things, he's right there. When he's saying these things, you know, so again, it, it, it doesn't work. Amen. So if we were to read it, it would literally render it this way. He who continues eating my flesh and drinking my blood. Now, pretty soon, if he's just talking about the single flesh and the single blood, that would run out after a while. Amen. So then we go back to transubstantiation or consubstantiation. We've got to have something to substitute that. But that's not what Jesus was doing because if we're saying that, then what's happening actually would be Jesus would be, would be reoffering himself over and over again unto the Father. And that's not what he was trying to get us to do. But if we drop down to verse number 63, we begin to see what he was really letting them see, the very context, amen, was dealing with the light. And where do we find the light? Amen. Jesus was trying to teach them to receive his words because, and his teaching because in that is life. Look at verse number 63. That it is the spirit that quickens. The flesh profiteth nothing. Hello. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit. And they are life. So thus it becomes clear, amen, that the consuming of his body and his blood are equivalent to ingesting his sacred instruction. It's ingesting his word, amen. So the former is figurative and the latter is literal. So the teaching and the instruction, amen, he wants us to receive that literal, to eat his word, amen, to, to, to take his word on the inside, to eat his principles, amen, to continue to drink of his spirit, because that's where the life is. That's, that's where the continuing is. That's where the understanding comes from. And that's the thing that truly brings us into full communion with him. See, so the taking of communion, amen, is just the symbolic representation of us being in communion with him. See, a lot of people take communion, but they're not in communion. And that is the problem. But I want us to get from taking communion, as we're still talking about, you know, for your glory. How can I live a life for his glory if I'm not even in communion with him? If I'm still living a life that's all about me, and I come to church and I, you know, I take communion because I'm saved. I take communion because I gave my life to Christ. But I leave and I live a life unto myself. And I don't consider him in my decisions and my choices and my actions. 
But then I come back the next month or so and I take communion again in remembrance of him. But then I go out and I keep living for me. And I want him to co-sign on what I'm doing. Bless me, Lord. Lead me. Keep me. But I'm not really in communion with the Father. But I, I believe, I'm just crazy to believe, if we really get ourselves in communion with God, everything we do will be for your glory. Every choice that we make will be for his glory. We'll be focused a whole lot more on him and a whole lot less on us when we're living for his glory. We, 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 our, our, our complaint department would have to shut down. Hello. You know, you can start firing the haters. Because why? You're living for his glory. So, you know, even when people are hating on you, 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 you want to love them for his glory. You don't receive them as haters no more. Now you begin to see them as those that need to know him like you know him. So now you begin to love on them and you begin to pray for them. And now you, 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 you begin to see things change in your life. Why? Because now I'm living a life for his glory and not my own. Uh, we can glorify God in whichever arena he leads us into. And his blessings can be upon us, amen. But, you know, we, we look at the fact that he, he told, he instructed him, you know, so to, to continually, subsequently to, to do this in remembrance of me. In other words, do not forget me. But do this in remembrance, amen. You know, and, and that in remembrance, I'm like, wow, every time I think about that, as often as you do, we see the community tables, and we're going to be ordering one pretty soon, you know, when it says in remembrance. Of me, y'all see that, you know, but it, because it, it reminds us of Him, what He's done for us, Amen. It, it, it's an implication, Amen, of, of of thinking about physically, tangibly, what He's done for us. But what is it specifically that that He wants us to remember? Let's, let's look at Luke twenty twenty two. Trying not to get ahead of myself, but you know, I just I just love this. Luke twenty two nineteen. Yeah, I just said I want y'all to see it because he, he mentions it in so many different places. Then he took the bread and gave thanks and break it and gave unto them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this do. He said, in other words, he said, you know, you should maybe you want to do this every now and then. No, he said, This do in remembrance of me. Likewise, also the cup. After cup, saying this cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. And then in First Corinthians, again, we, we read it in the 24th verse. Amen. He told him the same thing. And then when he broke it, he said, this do in remembrance of me in 11, Corinthians 11 and 26. In remembrance. 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 But the question is, what is it that he wants them to remember? What exactly did Jesus want him to remember? You know, was it was it one specific thing? Was it, you know, that that he wanted them to remember of all the things that he did over the past three three and a half years? What is it that he was telling them that they really needed to remember when they came to break the blood? I mean, break the bread and drink the blood. What is it that was it the miracles that he 
or no, I don't think it was miracles. I don't think it was the feeding of the five, the thousands. It wasn't the casting out of demons that he was wanting them to remember. No, it wasn't the healing of the blind. It wasn't what they experienced on their missionary journey when he sent them out two by two. No, those aren't the things he wanted them to remember. It wasn't the raising of Lazarus from the dead. That's not what he was trying to get them to remember. So what was it that he wanted them to remember? Look at verse 26 in that 11th chapter. First Corinthians. As he said, do it remember some men. The 26th verse, he said, for as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death until he comes. Of all the things that he did, all the great miracles and the teachings and everything else that he did, the one thing that he wanted to remember when they took communion was his death. The greatest thing that he did for us in the flesh was to die. Somebody say, well, the resurrection, he really, he really is good. But if he hadn't died, there could be no resurrection. Without the death, there could be no redemption. There could be no shed blood in the, for the remission of our sins. His dying... To take on our sins, amen, and, you know, just take on the sentence of death. Because what's the scripture tell us? The wages of sin, notice it didn't say the wages of sin is hell. But he said the wages of sin is death. So when he died, he paid for it all. I said when he died, he paid for it all. Amen. And now as he resurrects, we can be redeemed because of what he's done, because he died. Amen. He showed us that when we die to this world and when we come in communion with him, now we can have life in us. Amen. The life that we've just seen that comes from his word operating in us. Amen. And, and operating according to his spirit, because he said the spirit quickeneth. So when we get that life operating in us, Amen. Now I can draw closer to him and I can get closer and more and more in communion with God. With his word, with his ways, with his spirit. So when I come to take communion, it's just not just the bread and the wine. But I need to remember what he did for me. I need to remember the sacrifice that he made. The cost that he paid that I could not pay. I'm glad I don't have to pay that price. And it should also remind me now of what I need to do in return. Because I understand and now I can appreciate everything that he's done for me. But above all, the fact that he died for each and every one of us. And I take that bread and I take that wine with understanding. It's saying, Lord, I want to be, I don't want to just take communion, but I want to be in communion with you. Take it to a whole nother level. It's just not for the day. It's just not first Sunday or whenever, amen, it's established in wherever we are. But when we take it, we take it with an understanding that, Lord, I am committing myself to be in communion with you. You've made your commitment. Amen. You, you've taken the ultimate sacrifice. 
tonight you're drawing me unto yourself so that we can be in communion one with another so that every step that I take, we're walking in step together. Every word, amen, that I speak, I want to speak to your glory. Huh? I want to bring every thought, as the scripture says, under the subjection of Christ. I want my, my life to be filtered, amen, through our relationship, Father. That's what he's saying. That's what, we're, that's what it means to be in communion with him. But sometimes we, we don't want to hear what God got to say because we want to do what we want to do. You know, you know, I'm just a man. You know, Apostle David, I'm just a man. I'm just, I, I, I'm just, you know, and, and I know how it is to have people not want to be around me because it would cause them to live a different way. I know what it's like to have people avoid me because they don't want to hear what I got to say. I'm just a man. Okay, I, I, I know what it's like, amen, to, to be, you know, pushed aside because, no, he's just going to tell me about the word. Uh, y'all feeling me? You know, I know some of y'all know, yeah, you probably got friends that won't call you when they want to do something crazy. Because you're going to check them, right? Come on now. You know, sometimes, even with our spouses, we don't let them know what's going on because we're going to say, you know that ain't the word. See, so even those things in our earthly relationships, we choose when we want to be in communion with somebody. You know, you, you want to be around me when they're all is good. People avoid my wife because she, sometimes she look in their eyes and know exactly what they're up to. That prophetic, that prophetic gift kicks in. You know, so, so they avoid her. She's like, come here, let me talk to you. I'm like, oh, here we go. And when she started digging, she ain't going to let you go. Spirit got you. I mean, we got some amens around here. She ain't going to let you go. See, that's her gift. See, so when you know you're out there, you kind of avoid her. Pastor Linda. You know, this is how we do when We don't want to be in communion. We don't want to be in communion with that person. Why? Because it's going to stop us or it's going to put us in check. How much more do we do that to God? When I don't want to be in communion with you, I want to be mad. I'm not going to pray. You ever get that person, they're mad at you, you know, you're going through something. Come on, bro, we need to pray. I don't want to pray. Why? Because what he's really saying, I don't want to be in communion right now. I want to be out here by myself. I want to be mad. I want to act crazy. I want my flesh to be in charge. Because when we get in communion, for your glory. I'll do anything. I want to be where you are. But on the other hand, we're saying, I want to be where I am. See, but we, we, can't, we can't live a consistent life like that and draw closer and closer to him. We can't be off and on based on our emotions and feelings and circumstances, amen, and live for his glory. But we've got to choose, Lord. I'm going to sacrifice. He made the sacrifice for us. You don't know the scripture says he, he left his royalty, his home and glory. He came down and put on the body of flesh, amen, so he could identify with us, amen, sac I mean, suffer for us and die in our place, 
amen, so that we would be able to be in communion with him and that we choose when we will do it. Because we don't want to die to ourselves. Help us, Lord. You know, and it's funny because I, I look at these children and, you know, they learn from us. You know, they know when, they, when they're out of order. They don't want to be a mom and daddy's face. Uh-uh. No, they, they, they learn how to avoid because they watch us sometimes. Huh? Hello. So they learn how to avoid. Oh, I know I messed up. Let me go on downstairs. Or maybe it's, let me go on up to my room. You know, I'm out of sight. I'm out of mind. No, you ain't. Especially not with God just because you don't come to church. Don't mean he don't know where you are. What did you say with Adam when he came into the garden? Adam, where are you? But notice, he knew where he was. He was saying it for Adam's behalf. So Adam could examine himself. And this is what he's telling them in Corinthians. When it comes time, we need to examine ourselves because God knows where we are already. So he said, be honest enough, amen, with yourself about where you are so when you come, we can be in communion and I can help you out of that place. I'm not saying be perfect to take communion. I'm saying be honest enough to take communion. That's what we've got to come to. God ain't trying to kill you. He, he said in his word, I came that you might have life in that more abundantly. So sometimes we go, oh, you got all these traps set up if I mess up. No, that's not his plan. That's not his desire. He is our redeemer. Amen. Amen. He came for reconciliation. He came to take us out from under the law because he, the law was only for a one purpose, really. All them, you know, all them laws in, in, the, in the Jewish law, in the, in, the, in the Old Testament, 633 laws. And you go through and you count all the laws that's there. It was only to prove to men that you can't do it. That's all it was. It, it wasn't to set us up to fail. It was up to show us that you cannot do it without me. Period. I was telling someone the other day, they even had laws so ridiculous that, that you just, but it was a law that on certain days you couldn't even go to the bathroom except certain times. How many times have we broke that law? It's a lot of things that he wants to show us that you cannot live according to the law and satisfy God. But he made a way that we could be redeemed. He made a way, amen, that we could take off our unrighteousness and put on his righteousness. He made a way to draw us closer to him, amen, in our state of, of confusion, our state of being lost. He said, I love you enough that I'm going to take all your dirtiness Upon myself and give you what you cannot do, I'm going to give you my righteousness. All you got to do is accept it. All you got to do is live a life of communion with me. That's what he was saying. 
But remember, in order to do this, notice it said, remember, I had to die. Think about that. I had to die. What's the scripture tell us? Greater love has no man than me. That a man would lay down his life for his friend. He loves us enough to die for us. Whoo, goodness. I don't know if y'all get it like I, I, like I feel it, but, you know, I, 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 let, me, let, me, let me take you to, to, let's go to the book of Psalms right quick. I'm almost done. Then we're going to prepare to receive the communion. Hallelujah. But as you draw closer, as you, you get in the place to be in communion with him, Listen to what it says in Psalm 63. That's why, you know, as they were singing the song, I want to be where you are. Ah, this passage comes to my mind. It says Psalm 63 and 1, verses 1 and 2, it says this. O God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and a thirsty land where no water is. Notice he said, my soul is thirsty for you and my flesh. I mean, can you imagine being in so, such close communion with God that even your flesh is longing him? That thing that's been out of control for so long, that thing you've been fighting and struggling with, but because you spent time with God, you spent time in his word, you spent time praying and fasting, that not even the flesh wants to be the flesh is now under subjection. The struggle is over now. I'm not fighting my flesh no more because what it says, my flesh longeth for thee. Much as I can like, like it long for a drink of water in a desert place. The flesh wants more of God's presence. Then he said, to see thy power and thy glory. So as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. I, just like I see it, I don't want to see you everywhere. I want to feel it in my home. I want, I want to feel it when I'm riding down the road in my car. I want to feel it on my job that I know you're right there. That when these people are acting crazy, I got all the peace I need because I'm in communion with God. They can't get to me no more. They can't make my flesh upset no more. They can't get me to thinking crazy no more because my flesh, even my soul, is thirsty and longing for more of you, God. So while everything is going crazy around me, I'm still praying. While things are going crazy around me, I'm still worshiping. I'm still magnifying him. They can't take away my praise. They might do all kind of things to me. But I'm in communion with God. And nothing is going to break that communion that I have with the Father right now. Because I've sought after him. I've sought after him. I've chosen to be, I've chosen to live a life for his glory. I've chosen to live a life in communion with him. I've chosen to bring my flesh under subjection and say yes to your will, God. Oh, I know I, I like this person. I know I want to go over here. And if I just let my flesh have his way, it'll take me to hell. It'll take me to death. But if I Work on this flesh. 
in my work. If I work on this flesh through my praise, the psalmist let me know that my flesh would long after him. Go to the 84th Psalm, and we're going to be done. Hallelujah. Psalm 84 and 2 also says, My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. That's thirsty. That's long. And if I could just get to him, brother Willie, huh, and nothing else matters. But then he goes on to say, My heart and my flesh. See, in other words, in, in Psalm 62, I mean 63, what no mistake. He said, my heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. That's where I want to live. Anybody with me? That's where I want to be in a place that my, not just my soul longeth after thee. But even my flesh is crying out for more of him. Because I've chosen to live for him. I've chosen to give him my all. I've chosen to, to give up my rights for his ways. I've chosen to give up my will for his to be done in me and through me. I've chosen to surrender myself and die for him. To really give my life to him. And know that it's no longer about me. I want to be in communion with him. So when I take communion, I know I'm in communion. I'm not struggling with me no more. I'm not struggling with feelings no more. I'm not struggling with the world no more because I'm in him. As he quoted that scripture that came from the philosophers, in him I live and I move and I have my being. This is where God wants us. And when we get there, we can't help but live for his glory. We can't help but be a shining beacon of the kingdom of God in this present world. But as long as our flesh has anything to say about it, God won't get all the glory he deserves out of our lives. We got to surrender. We got to choose. So before we can go for his glory, we got to understand how much glory he's already given us. How much honor he's already bestowed upon us. How much love and sacrifice he has made for us. And how much, now, I, I can't even begin to wrap my own mind around this, but how much God is longing. Oh, goodness. I said how much he's longing for a relationship like that with each and every one of us. So much so that he was willing to die for it. Are we willing to die on our behalf for it? I think he said over in Job's, I, I long for you. I, I desire you more than my necessary food. I want you that much. more than eating. So that's where that's where that fasting comes in. Because I want more of God. I got to crucify this flesh. I got to bring this flesh under subjection. No, you won't have a rule over me. So I, Paul said, the apostle Paul said, I buffet my body. 
I keep it under subjection. Why? Because the body wants to take over so that the spirit man has to take second seat. But that don't work. Huh? No, we used to sing a song back in the day, don't let the devil ride because he'll surely try to drive. I don't even want him in the car. Huh? No. And I don't want my flesh driving my life. Hello? I said, I don't want my flesh driving my life. It's just a passage. We'll go where God said we're going. Notice, I didn't say it where I said. But we'll go where God said we're going. We'll do what God wants us to do. We'll follow God's will and God's word. Huh? And I got to bring myself out of the way. Because why? It's all for his glory. All to magnify him. This is where he's calling us to. A life that is fully and completely surrendered to God. See, there's too many distractions, too many things that get us off track and off course. But if we would just keep our eye on him. What does it profit a man? To gain the whole world and lose his soul. Let's stand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I want the elders to go ahead and prepare the communion. I would believe our hearts are prepared to receive. And I pray our understanding has been enlightened as we make this commitment. As you take communion. Make the commitment to be in communion. To be surrendered unto him like never before. I tell you, I love the Lord. And I ain't taking it back. Oh, no. I ain't taking it back. Ushers and physicians. We've read the scripture. Hallelujah. As the elders take their place, I want the ushers, amen. Let's continue to pray for Elder Otis. He's down with this, this flu. Really coming against his body hard. This is a sacrament, but it's not to be feared, it's to be understood. As we make that examination of ourselves, amen, and yield and surrender ourselves to God. Said, Lord, I'm not perfect, but I'm working on it. I'm not all the way there, but I can't get there without your help. As we come and receive the sacrament, symbolic of the death symbolic of the blood hallelujah that we receive from him so ushers let's go ahead and direct the people uh, again I remind the parents of the little ones that don't understand it's better that they not take it because it's something that we do want to take with understanding 
This is a sacrament taken by those that have given their lives to the Lord. That we can yet be in communion with the Lord. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, as we come before you right now, we, we thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you for your love, your grace, and your mercy, Lord, that's been extended towards us. Lord, we ask you to bless this sacrament, Lord, as we prepare to receive it, as it represents symbolically the blood and the body of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As we receive this communion, Lord, we come to be in communion with you. Help us to grow in communion more and more every day, God. Not just on certain days, but every day that we want to be in communion, God. We call upon you right now. We thank you for this opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. Serve the people. Nothing back. 
Father, we bless this. It's symbolic, representing the body and the blood of our Lord Jesus. Scripture says, when he had given thanks, he took the bread and he broke it. He said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. same manner he took the cup when he had supped saying this cup is the new testament in my blood do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me be seated as the text you're right ushers will pick them up Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. 
Bible said without the shedding of blood, there would be no remission of sin. I'd be stuck. You'd be stuck. But thank God for the blood. That precious blood. That matchless blood. That lamb's blood. Hallelujah. I thank him. I thank him. I thank him for the blood. See, when the blood of pigeons and turtle doves and bulls and rams couldn't do. Woo! <laughs> God had him a laugh. Oh, hallelujah. I said he had him a laugh. Set aside for me and you the perfect sacrifice, the sinless blood, the blood that's good for eternity. Thank God for the blood. Hallelujah. Ain't you glad about it? Ain't you glad about it that your sin is under the blood? All that unrighteousness is under the blood. See, he can't see through the blood. It's covered by the blood. Hallelujah. Thank God for the blood. I know it was the blood. Hallelujah. Y'all sit down. 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 Amen. We, we got a little bit more to cover. Amen. Then we're going to take up our offering. And, woo, hallelujah. I thank God for the blood. I thank God for the blood. I thank God for the reminder, the remembrance. As often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. Hallelujah. That you do show the Lord's death until he comes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God is so good. I'm excited. I'm, I'm blessed. Amen. We are blessed to be in this year because, you know, it just amazes me over and over again, the grace and the mercy of God. Amen. When we look back over the years, amen, and, you know, the different ones that just didn't make it, but he allowed us to be here. It ain't because of our goodness. Come on, somebody. It ain't because I deserve to be here or you deserve to be here in 2014. It's his grace. And that lets me know that God's not through with you yet. <laughs> He's not keeping you around just to suck up air. He's not through with you yet. You still got a plan. I say, he's still got a plan, and you in it. Just tell somebody, you in the plan. Hallelujah. I know as we continue to move forward here in living faith, amen, I want to see God's plan unfold more and more and more. Amen? You want to, you want to see the goodness, amen, and the, 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 the blessings of God just continue to flow as we, as we just yield ourselves to him. So as we move it into this, this new year, amen, hallelujah couple things we're going to be focusing on. We are focusing, hallelujah, on living lives for your glory. I mean for his glory, but you know what I'm talking about. 
So make that a resounding statement in your heart and your mind. Lord, for your glory. I'm living for your glory. I'm giving for your glory. I'm going for your glory. I'm doing for your glory. I'm listening for your glory. I'm praising for your glory. I'm being obedient for your glory. I'm humbling myself for your glory. Because the, the song said, for your glory. I'll what? Do anything. So tell yourself, I ain't ruling nothing now. Hallelujah. I ain't ruling nothing now for his glory. All about him. So we're going to focus, amen. One of the first things that we're going to focus on, amen, we already began talking about it, is fasting. Hallelujah. Bringing that flesh under subjection. Hallelujah. Oh, y'all didn't get too excited. Did I lose it? Did I, did I lose anybody? Huh? Did I, did, I, did, I, did I say it? Did I, I know it's a four-letter word, but that's a good one. Fast. Huh? So this year, we're going to focus on, as Pastor Linda mentioned already, we, we ended up our last couple Bible studies talking and teaching on fasting. We're going to continue over the next few months talking about fasting. We're, gonna, we, we're not forgetting our act study, but... Here and there, and there, every now and then, we're going to hit on the fasting, amen. Why? Because I believe that that's one of the keys of helping to get this flesh under subjection. One of the keys to help get this flesh the way it wants to pursue God. Well, it wants to worship God because it's tired of getting beat down. Uh, you take authority over your flesh when you push back the pleasures of the flesh. I'm not just talking about food. I'm talking about you telling that flesh, we ain't going to do this and we ain't going to do that. We ain't gonna, we ain't doing, uh, all we're going to do today is pray. All we're going to do is meditate on the word. Huh? We, we gonna, we, no, you ain't watching your TV program today. We're going to, we huh? I'm talking about bringing this flesh under subjection. So as, as we move in this direction, I'm going to be announcing some corporate fast that we're going to do for a few weeks at a time. And, you know, we're we going to break some strongholds corporately. But at the same time, I want us to, to choose to fast as the Lord leads us. And as we know we need to. See, notice I said two things. Because you don't have to wait for the Lord to tell you to fast. You can look at your situations and circumstances in your life and say, I need to fast. I need to present this to God in a fast. And when we do it right, in Isaiah 58, he said, now that's the fast I'll choose. But when you choose to do everything you want to do, it's a whole other subject. So if you want to do a quick study, just read Isaiah 58. Amen. But help us to understand this, that fasting is important. Just as important as praying. You know, there's some things that we ain't going to get through. We ain't going to get over without fasting and prayer. Amen? It's demonstrated in the word. Fasting and prayer. I don't know what to do. I'm going to fast until I get an answer. Huh? I'm going to go before God. I'm not just going to pray. I'm going to do something tangible. I'm going to push back the plate. I'm going to cut off all this, and I'm just going to spend time with God. So effective immediately, we're going to make Wednesday our official fast day. For living faith. Oh, they're looking at me now. What you talking about, Willis? Now look, I'm going to say this. When we set a day to fast, and we do it collectively, corporately, there's strength. There's strongholds are broken. And there's four reasons that I want to start off with a man fasting on Wednesday. 
Now, you can add everything else you want. Amen. I'm going to give you a little more information in a minute, but the four reasons that I want to begin with is, first of all, for the lost. Don't just start with yourself. We want to fast for the lost. And then we want to fast for our community. Change in our community. Then we want to fast for living faith body. Our brothers and sisters in Christ. And now I'm going to go ahead and throw our leaders in there, including myself. Pray for me. Fast for me. So if you ain't got nothing else to, 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 to pray about while you fasting on Wednesday, the lost, the community, your brothers and sisters in Christ, and your leaders. In that order. Amen? Because we want to see the lost saved. We want to see our community changed. We want to see our brothers and sisters strengthened and shown up cover the leadership in prayer because the enemy wants to come against you. And then we can add all our other issues and, and, and circumstances, desires, and needs in that personally. But on Wednesday, we want to focus on those things for starters. Amen? Now, maybe Wednesday don't work for you. I don't know why it wouldn't. But if for some reason Wednesday don't work for you, I encourage everybody to try and make that work because corporately they're strength. But if that doesn't work for you because work or whatever the case might be, then at least choose one day between Monday and Friday. Amen? Notice I didn't say Saturday because most of y'all ain't going to fast on Saturday anyway. Huh? And Sunday, I do that anyway. You know, but, and also, you say, well, when you fast, amen, how long are we fasting? Well, I'm going to say this. You know, because everybody, you know, is not used to fasting. So start off where you are. Amen? But we need to grow in it. This one thing we've been teaching on Wednesday, we need to grow into it. Amen? I'm not saying yeah, everybody just start off, you ain't never fasted before, so you're going to do it 24 hours. If you can, amen. But at least go to 4 o'clock. Amen. Can, can, we, can we say at least 4 o'clock? You know, you know, normally on Wednesday, I usually go into after Bible study. You know, on Wednesday. That's just normal. You know, but if we can do that, amen. How many of y'all with me? Amen. I'm, I'm going to fast for the rest of you to get with me, too. Uh, I, 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 why? Because I, I think it's important. And see, the reason I'm, I'm saying it like this, because I don't want it to be dogmatic. I don't want you, you know, going into a fast mad. I'm just being real. I mean, if you ain't going to put your heart in it, I'm going to say this. Don't even do it. Amen? Because it, it would not do you any good. But you'll know what the rest of the body is striving to do. So if you're not going to put your heart in it, amen, don't even do it. But this is something that we are going to be doing. Amen. And as you grab hold, as we grow, amen, now we can take it, you know, on. Now, now when I fast, I do an absolute fast. Y'all know what that is? No food or water. Amen. But again, that's going to depend on the individual. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to make this not difficult, but at the same time, I'm pressing you. Amen. So maybe you not, maybe you had to do a little water. Maybe you had to do a little juice. Notice I said not want to. Have to. Is that my English? Okay. But let's do your best. If you choose to go in with us, 
give it your best for his glory. Amen. I'm not going to be checking on nobody. I'm not going to be calling you up and see, are you fasting today? You know, I'm going to be running to you at the church. Well, God, fasting. What you doing? See, don't do that to one another. Amen. 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 See, when we, when we do it as unto God, of free will and free accord as unto God, then he's the one that rewards. He's the one that answers prayer. You're not trying to meet my benchmark. I'm just trying to move us in a direction, amen, that I believe will be beneficial for the entire body, individually and corporately, amen, because there just ain't enough fasting going on. You know, we, one thing we talked about in Bible study, we don't pray as much and we fast even less. We got to turn that around. Amen? So that's one thing that we want to work on. Now you'll get more information coming, amen, in that area of fast day. So when is our fast day? Hallelujah, Lord. I just helped you with your grocery bill. Y'all parents should be saying, Amen. See, because I'm going to see, now that's another thing. When we fasted, everything in the house fasted. That was us. Amen. We had seven children, so don't think, well, Pastor David, you don't understand these kids. I'll tell you about DJ, man. He was fasting one day. He got so hungry, he picked up one of them little, what was it? No, it was a, uh, <laughs> it, was, it was a little whack something. What was that, Pastor Lindsay? Yeah, a little, a little wax turtle. He started eating on the wax. I said, boy, it was a, <laughs> so, because DJ was my problem child when it came to fasting. The other, other kids used to tease him. they walk around and say, food, food. And he gets so mad. But they would, they would tease him on purpose. So parents, sit down and explain to your children and, and, and teach them incrementally step by step. Okay? As a parent. Let's, let's, let's do that. Now, the other thing that we're working on, the elders and I, amen, is really moving forward in another area that, that, I want to share with you this morning, amen, because there's, as we go into this year, we want to go strong, amen, so we're in the process already, there's two provisions in our bylaws, amen, about selecting elders and appointing elders, amen, the selection process typically starts in September with, you know, inputs from the congregation, nominations from the congregation, but we're past that, and I want to go into the year strong, so we went with option number two where we could appoint and so we're in the process now of reviewing some candidates so that we can appoint them to eldership. And then come September, we will go through the selection process again, and you'll be completely involved in that. So as by the end of this month, we will have some new elders on board. Amen. And there will be some changing and shifting. Of Come on, y'all. Hallelujah. So, so, so with that, it's going to come some changing and shifting of, of responsibilities and so forth. So as we move a little bit further in that process, I will be sharing more with you. But we got some great candidates, amen, that we're working with that, you know, have accepted the nominations that came from the elders board and our discussion itself. Amen. They were given plenty of time to pray and fast and think about it and choose whether they want to accept it. And we have some good candidates, amen, that have accepted the, the nomination for us to build up on. There's some new positions that I want to establish and some others I want to make a couple shifts in. So those things are in the works. Along with that, we are also looking to reiterate and really strengthen our deacons ministry. Amen. So even in that, by the end of this month, 
Amen. We will be identifying those, amen, and presenting them before you, amen, as who our, our deacon ministry is. And along with that, shortly after, it's my desire, amen, to build a, a core of junior deacons. Amen. Get some of these young men and young women involved, amen, in serving more purposely in the ministry. So I, I'm pushing to, to come in stronger with, with more things happening and identity. So just moving in that direction. So those are things that are coming, amen, and we will be acknowledging those things. We'll be acknowledging all our leaders in a different way, you know, just so that we are able to stand strong in Christ. Amen. Identifying, we've been already working on, we've got some more work to do, identifying and understanding all the, the gifts and the talents and the, the five-fold callings, amen, that are in the house. Why? Because we want to see, amen, everything functioning as it is supposed to function in the body of Christ. We want to bring that government down, amen, from heaven to earth, amen, so that his will can be done in earth as it is in heaven. So we got to get connected to heaven, amen, to bring it back to earth. Amen. We thank God for what he is doing. Y'all ready to give? Hallelujah. Amen. As y'all prepare to give, I want the Booker family to come. Understand this is their last Sunday with us, amen, before they head out to Idaho, I believe it is. Hallelujah. We just want to pray with them. Y'all can't leave. <laughs> I wish that could work that easy. Amen. But we thank God for the bookers. Amen. And I know God has done a mighty work in their family. Amen. And we're just praying for great things. Great things in your future. Amen. God's setting you up for something great. Amen. You believe that? All right, grab hold of that. Walk in there. Amen. Elders, y'all come on up here and stand behind them. Give them a, a send-off as we just cover them in prayer. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. All these grown men y'all got now. Y'all came here, you know, little, 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 little guy. This is, this is Ramon. I mean, he's about to, he's like, I'm, I'm going to catch up with all of them. You know, like, wow. <laughs> so so we, we thank God for the time that they have been with us. Amen. And, you know, I just know that God is good. Take what you've received and continue to build upon it. Build upon it more and more. You young men, you know God. You know that God knows you. Amen. Hello, you can't get away from it. We know we got you. We got your number just like we got mine. No matter how I tried to run, it didn't do no good. Amen. So you got me right where you want me. As you strive to move forward, amen. You continue to yield him. Continue to yield to him. Don't resist. And get over here. Don't resist. Let him lead the way. It's a beautiful thing. Amen. And I believe that you need to follow. Because you are a man of God. Stand with him. Walk with him. Stand with him. Stay in communion. With him. Let's reach our hands for Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I thank you right now for Ken. 
with your son. Lord, and you've called us, hallelujah, to come to your throne. Father, and as he leads this beautiful family that you've given us, Lord, these boys, these lovely wives, God, Crystal, as she stands by his side, Lord, we pray your hand will continue to be upon them as you would continue to bless them, keep them, open doors before them. Lord, I pray that you would overwhelm them with your blessing, with your presence, with your leading and guiding in their lives as a family and as individuals, Lord, in their relationships with you. Lord, I pray over each of these young men that they're raising, hallelujah, Lord, that they know who they are in you. Hallelujah, they're not to follow any patterns of the world, any influence that would try to come in their lives, not greater than the influence that you already have over their lives. I thank you for them right now. And I, I cover Crystal, Lord, as a mom, as a wife, hallelujah, as a woman of God. Lord, that you continue to stand and look to you as the author and the finisher, as a helpmate, Lord, as the one that helps to walk alongside and guide and direct. Father, let your divine will be done, Lord. I pray your hand of provision and protection over them right now. Lord, that you would establish them in a, in a house of worship, a house of worship, Lord, where they can be used, they can be connected, Lord, and they can be continue to grow in you. Hallelujah, and let your glory shine in them. For all that they've received, Lord, I know that there's more. I know that there's more because you are more than we could ever receive. So continue to pour it out upon them, Lord. Let your hand be upon them. Let your, your love and your grace, Lord, continue to overwhelm them and overshadow them as they go. We pray for peace and safety over them right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Y'all ready to give? Amen. Amen. Oh, still here. It's a phone call away. Hallelujah. So y'all follow the directions of the ushers. Hallelujah. And what are we? Now, thank you. You just reminded me. Amen. Is anybody here as we're coming into the first of the year? We talked about it a couple months ago. Just a reminder for anyone that has their first fruits and you want to bring your first fruits up, you can come right now. Amen. If not, we will be receiving first fruits for the next couple of Sundays in the month of January. 
with his first fruits, amen, as they, the beginning of each year, and I've done teaching on this before. 